So, okay. Shall we start? Yes. So, Heidi, welcome to Ball is Wife. This Thank is our you. podcast. We're so honored to have you. Um, I am going to uh, give a background of our relationship, how we met. Um, when we talk about bonds in the college basketball world, which is a common theme that Andrea and I have talked about through this entire podcast, um, you are the epitome of a bond that was created early and has kind of lasted through time and will be forever lasting. Um, we just talked about this this morning, Andrea, we think we've been in college basketball for a long time, 31 years, Heidi Robick has she been a coach's wife. Oh, so. <laughs> what's that, Heidi? I said, that's why I look this way. <laughs> well, if I looked at it after thir- look like that after 31 years, I'd be very happy. Let me tell you, yeah. I've been talking about plugging holes after 25. <laughs> <laughs> So 31 years, Heidi went to Kansas. So she was, and you can tell this story. I'm just going to give my background. She went to Kansas. She can tell you more about that. Um, She met her husband, coach John Robick, who was a grad assistant. And they landed at UMass exactly the same time that I was a student at UMass. So that was the first time Heidi and I had met. Um, We weren't really friends because she was a coach's wife at the time. I was a student, but um, instantly when I did see her in the stands and stuff, I was enamored by her. Like, I was like, wow, that's so cool. She's like a coach's wife. You know, how, what amazing job that must be and how fun. And she was beautiful and whatever. So I had always admired her from, from far away. And she had, um, we talked about this also, her beautiful daughter Haley at the time was about two or three years old. And Mm -hmm. I will never forget her with her little UMass cheerleading uniform on, Heidi, right? I mean, blonde Mm -hmm. hair. I see the pictures of it somewhere. I wish we brought a picture to show. I mean, the cutest little thing ever. Um, and, and feel free to jump in at any time. But um, then they worked. So Robes was a coach for Derek for at UMass while he was there. And then um, kind of the timing of it, when Derek graduated, Robes moved on to Youngstown State, first head coaching job, Heidi, mm-hmm. right? Yep, um, yep. And hired Derek. Feel free, you can add to that if you want to talk about it or <laughs> yeah we can go we can go back to your life in Youngstown I know you I talked uh on our last podcast about my distaste for Youngstown <laughs> I noticed that I heard that. I know I said Heidi's gonna be pissed at me but I know you had a completely different experience there right I mean tell us about Youngstown it's funny because I do actually remember going with you and maybe I'm remembering wrong I remember going with you over to DK's first apartment in Young's and I remember walking in and being like oh she's not moving here (laughs) it was scary and dark and gross now Andrea I loved Youngstown we lived in a suburb um, that was predominantly transient people and it was probably besides Lexington, our favorite place to live. So Mm -hmm. dramatically different than 
the experience Nicole had, but I had kids and that makes a huge difference, huge. you know, yeah. different. And, and she was young. And I mean, I wouldn't want to have come from New York to Youngstown, Ohio either. So yeah. I, I took one look at that apartment and said, she's not moving here. Yeah. No. no. And, and, and I feel bad about it. And, but yeah, it just, it wasn't right for me. And it is true that I went to church. I don't know what church, but I found a church <laughs> I used to sit there and go, where am I going? And the big highlight, remember, was um, what was the 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 fun bar with all the video games and stuff? Not the Dave and Buster's, but it was a oh no, it was BW threes. It was BW3. BW3. Yes. yes, we used to go there all the time. Yes, yes, yeah. that was it. So anyway, um, from Youngstown, you moved on to Memphis. Mm-hmm. Yes, and we were already in Memphis. And that's when, um, Heidi, you came to Memphis and that's when we really, um, bonded, right? That was Mm -hmm. when our friendship became really real and meaningful and we relied on each other tremendously. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you were always, uh, just a mentor to me, truly, truly kind of guiding me, um, I don't know. You just, Heidi, Andrea, unlike us, knows a lot about college basketball. (laughs) Yes. She understands the game. Her whole family does. In fact, her daughter, Haley, I want you to talk about that. You know, Haley, um, her knowledge of college basketball was ridiculous. Like she knew everything I would have to, they would yell at me at the game. Say like, you've been doing this for too long. How do you not know that call yet? (laughs) I I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, so we met in Memphis and there's lots more to talk about with not met in Memphis. We kind of bonded in Memphis. That's where our friendship Mm -hmm. became strong. We traveled a lot. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. We traveled basketball and we also started our travel with just girls travel. Friendship travel. Girls travel. Yeah. Yeah. Which which we need. And when we interviewed Danielle Sargent, she said that's the one thing she would never, never give up is her yes. girl's trip travel. So that was important. And, and we built a, a huge bond. And I felt like um, it was hard for me when we left Memphis. I think you remember, I really had detachment issues <laughs> from Heidi sure. when I left. I did. Mm-hmm. And I was in back in Amherst and I was trying to navigate being a head coach's wife. And I can't I couldn't even count how many times a day you and I spoke, text, constant, every day. You were my rock. You guided me. You helped me, supported me, mentored me. Even through us getting fired, you were my solid. Thank God for you. I love you so much. So I love you. I, I'm the word mentor, though, because, Andrea, I'm really not as together as she makes it seem. I just, I wing this also. And even at 57 and and late into John's career, I feel like I'm still winging it. I just, uh, she gives me far too much credit for sure. I know, but you know what, like in this life, like I I said in this, you know, life of of a coach's wife, it's like, you know, it's a fast moving paced job and people come and go, you come and go like, and if you could have that one person, because I mean, there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of, you know, whatever that goes with it. And there's a lot of yuckiness. That's the part that I have a hard time with. This is why I'm always crying. during I don't like 
I, I'm not competitive. I don't like that part of it. So it's, and you lose friendships over it because it's like, you have nothing to do with it, but the job takes you somewhere. Maybe they left, you know, and you know, just a, a lot. So if you could come out with one person. Yeah. Oh, 100%. How many times have we said that, Nicole? And, uh, and you know what? I always said to Nicole and to anybody who knows me well, I, it was my goal to not have my closest friends be basketball people. Yeah. I did not want to rely on, I didn't want to rely on basketball friends because it is so transient and mm-hmm. it is so cutthroat and yeah. it is oftentimes every man for himself just because it's, you know, it, it's so competitive. And so I did not seek out basketball friends. Nicole and I were something completely on another level. Yes, we met through basketball, but it was instantaneously we knew that we were we were friends outside of basketball. And you know, and I and I love a lot of the the women that I met over the years and still keep in touch with. But kind of like what you said, Andrea, I had to detach myself from that. That couldn't be the end all and be all for Mm -hmm. me. Yeah. You know, and it's easier, it's easier to do when you have kids and you're caught up in, in, in their, their things and their friends become your friends and everything, but it's still difficult because mm-hmm. you're spending half of the year with these people. Well, that's yeah. it. And you get, you're so vulnerable during the season. I mean, you know, hundred percent. you live and die with every, every game. With every win. Yeah. yeah. And you, and then, you know, you feel some sort of way when you don't, and then, you know, you say so you, you, the people that you're in your program, you're the closest to, you see them. And, you know, we're, we're lucky enough to see these people during games, during, you know, events at the, you know, you're around them a lot more than you probably would be your like close friends, you know, your yeah. other friends. And it's like you, you, uh, and what you see is what you get with my personality. It's like, I'm, I will tell you everything, you know, like how, like mm-hmm. whatever's going on in my life. And then sometimes those, you know, friendships, they, you're, you literally are like best of friends. You tell every, you know, every second of the day, they know what you're doing. And then when you leave and you don't talk to them anymore, it's like, like what, like really? Yeah, like, you, you, know, feel, like, you feel, you feel a loss for sure. You feel yeah. a loss. And it's just I, like, why? When I went to UMass, like I said, I mean, I definitely, you know, full transparency. I was like, where's my Heidi? every day. I didn't know what to do. I felt like a little kid, like trying to, you know, she was always, you were always there kind of just helping Like, well, what would Heidi do? You know, what would Heidi do? (laughs) Heidi, Heidi, how do I deal with this? You know, and you, you just, you, you know, you were just, you know what I think too, I think, and I, I've said this to Nicole for years, it's a sixth sense. It really is. Some people have it. Some people don't have it, you know, Some people never have it, but I, I, it's, it's all about keeping it in perspective and and you just have a lot of it is just a sixth sense about it. Yeah. And you always had great perspective on it. So let's talk about Kentucky and I'm not trying to move along. We can talk as long as we like, but so, um, you went from Memphis, um, we obviously shared a lot of success there. We shared the final four, which was unbelievable. We have funny stories about that. I was pregnant out to here at the final four. Um, maybe we should tell that story at some point. There's <laughs> people sitting in our seats. <laughs> right, right. I remember. Um, 
but then you ended up at Kentucky, which is, you know, in my opinion, it's, you know, the creme de la creme of college basketball. Like you are at the top. Mm-hmm. Tell us about your experience at Kentucky, like being coach's well, wife. I think me, and it's, it's probably a unique perspective opposed to other people who've been at Kentucky. I went to Kansas and Kansas is on the same level as Kentucky. Kansas is that team and, you know, Kansas, Duke, Carolina, Kentucky. So when I came to Kentucky, I was not like, oh my God, this is Kentucky Mm -hmm. because I was used to Kansas and that's how we are there too. Um, What I will say is um the Kentucky fans they are exactly how people say they are they are rabid and they are rabid 12 months out of the year we moved here in July and I remember going into a drugstore before I got to the house and it was a sea of blue in July I asked the manager for something they immediately got they saw my credit card they immediately got on the speaker phone comes up are you coach Robic's wife can we have an autograph and I mean I literally just rolled in from Memphis in my pajama top a ball hat I probably didn't have a bra on and crying because I didn't want to move people are crazy they love their basketball I would say Kansas is a little more low-key than Mm -hmm. that but um you know it, it it's been our last stop and it's lovely. It's, it, Kentucky is lovely. It's um, pressure like no other. Mm. But as we'll, we'll talk about when we get into what we went through with Haley, um, it really didn't become, Kentucky didn't become so special to me until we went through that with Haley. It was just another program it was, I'd been in the big time, you know, we'd spare, experienced big time at UMass and Memphis both, but I mean, yeah. I'd been at Kansas. I'm from Kansas. The, the, the grandeur of it all did not, um, phase me at yeah. all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and but, just for, for Kentucky fans, any fan listening, UMass fan, UConn fan, LAU fan, how many final fours have you attended as a, on staff, as a, a I mean, you've been to a lot of Final Fours. At, at, at Kentucky? And or, UMass and oh, Memphis, gosh, right? countless. I, I, have, I have no idea. Really? I, I have no idea. I can tell you that I do think that there's a stat out there that John Robick may have the most Final Four rings of all any assistant. Wow. The amount of schools. So Kansas, and we had a national championship ring with Kansas, obviously a national championship ring with Kentucky, final four rings with countless final four rings with Memphis, with um, UMass. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's some weird little statistic that, you know, when he's trying to be big time, you know, he throws (laughs) out. (laughs) Can I ask you a That means absolutely nothing to the rest of us. Right, right. You know, but- Can I ask you a silly question? Um, You've been to so many final fours. How do you pack for all that? Like (laughs) I I pack a lot of shit um, (laughs) when we go to like our 
conference tournament and mm-hmm. like to the point where I need like a bellhop and there's times that we both invested <laughs> 12 hours and all my shit had to go wheeled mm-hmm. back down to my car. So I don't like to bring a lot. How do you do like, how do you know? Like, I know you could like, there's, there's like breaks in between, but do you, how much do you pack? That's that, that's what I'm concerned about. <laughs> you know what? Nicole will know this is, and this, this is a little funny thing about me is I don't wear my school's colors. I don't yeah. wear Kentucky blue. Yeah. I don't wear, I don't wear that stuff to games. I don't have Kentucky shirts until postseason. Postseason's the only time that I will ever dress for my school. Really? So honestly, I feel like um, it's part of, you know what, Andrea, it's part of me not wanting to be defined by college basketball. I have a life outside yeah. of college basketball. I want my children to have a life outside of college basketball. This is just what their dad does. And mm-hmm. it's normal to them, but it's yeah. not a normal life. You both know that. Yeah, nice dry. Nice dry. Yeah, well, oh, right. Man. I never do I never dress the part. I don't that's, until that's, that's you know, until postseason. And then you know what? I go out and buy five or six t-shirts and jeans and tennis shoes, and that's what you get. Yeah. I'll tell you who has the roller bags are my daughters because you know yeah, they sure want they, they want the outfits and everything. You know, I'm dressing Walmart and they are dressed from head <laughs> to toe in every every color representing their school so I don't ever remember that really being a thing but but you know when you when you get to the point where you're late in postseason and you're you're literally you've only got two or three days in between yeah then it gets a little tricky and I just pack whatever I pack and I'm you know and you're always dressed beautifully and yeah, it is a That's funny cute. thing about me. I just, I don't, I don't wear, or I don't wear. I tried at UMass a couple of times. I got cute little UMass t-shirts and every time I wore it, no matter if we had a good team, bad team, in between team, we'd lose the freaking game. So I'm like, I'm like my superstition. And then you toss that t-shirt. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You sleep Absolutely. in it. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. superstitious. We, we are Nicole and I are both very superstitious. I don't know. Well, we have to be because our husbands were. I don't know if that plays uh-huh. in your life, Andrea, but it does, if yes. you lose in something, you don't wear it again. He yeah. is. I was going to ask. We played UConn last night. Um, yes, he had a shark underwear on. He did. And did he not eat the, the light blue and white M&Ms? I was going to ask he him. He probably <laughs> did it or the yellow one. No, um, it's so funny because um, the shark underwear, I, you know, as soon as I, I laid them out and I looked at them and I was like, holy shit. I'm like, they have sharks on them. And then he had that thing on his neck that he had to go like, that he had like, he has like a medical thing that he had like assisted. So he was like dealing with that. And I, before I left, I'm mopping the floor and I'm saying to myself, do I say you, you have shark underwear? Like, do I mention it? Like, mm-hmm. or do I not mention it? Like, will he put it together? He only brought the sharks. So he, yeah, he did. He wore them, yeah. but I am. Um, it, it must be coaching wide then. Oh, it is. Yeah. Heidi, I think we need to share the story about the final four and the seat change. Okay. Well, Right and, yeah, we we lost the final four to no, no less to my alma mater at Kansas when no, we were sir. at Memphis. Oh. And Nicole, the way I remember it, Nicole and I got the wrong seats. We sat together. 
we got the wrong seats. Um, we got the seats that belong to staff members farther down the, the totem pole. And of course, I mean, it's the final four. I mean, we're like, come on, we paid the price all year. We want yeah. our good seats. So then, and we win that game. The next game is the national championship game. And we kind of put our foot down and said, what's the deal? We want our seats. So they switched us. And Nicole and I are now back in our seats that we were supposed to have. We lost the game. We, we lost the national championship game. So for, I don't know how many years has it been, Nicole? 15 years now? For 15 was, years, oh, you want to know okay. who yeah. they blame? You. Who they blame? Us. No, and, and I am dead serious. They blame. We us. lost that game. Yeah. We changed our seats. We, we're sorry, Memphis. Heidi and I, we lost the game for you guys. We oh. did. <laughs> and and don't it. even don't even think that not everybody on that staff believes it because they do. They do. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. It wasn't a free throw. It wasn't Derek <laughs> Rose. Nope. It was Nicole nope. and Heidi. He, did, he nope. didn't do anything wrong, Derek. You did everything right. It was all because the funniest thing was if I don't know, Andrea, you probably have no clue about this game, but it was the highlight of my husband's career for sure. We won the game. And then we lost the game, right? Like it, it, that weird ending that happened. It was like, we were up. We were up nine with two minutes left. Yeah. And then we end up losing it in overtime. Yes, it was catastrophic. Catastrophic losses in college basketball, probably. Yeah, that's, yes. That's, yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh. So, yeah, so we're the mushies. Yeah. You're the mushies. Yeah, you are yes. the mushies. I agree. Remember, we talked about the mushes. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we have mushes. We we all have mushes. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. Um. All right. Anything else we want to talk about? Any fun stories, Heidi, that we want to share from oh our travels? Gosh. And I mean, we have a, so many. I can't think of them. I know we have 31, 31 years of them. I know. I. I, <laughs> I. Gosh, I don't know. Oh man. Well, moving along. Um. Obviously, one of the reasons I wanted you to be on this podcast is because I want to talk about Haley. And um, we, Andrea and I, talk about the real lives of coaches' wives and that we go through very real things in our lives. And we're not just these, you know, figureheads and here to be yelled at and screamed at by fans and all that. Like we're going through real things and you went through one of the most tragic things a mom could go through. And, you know, Haley, this is really dear to my heart because I knew Haley. She was like my daughter. I was very, very close with her and I want to honor her. I want to talk about her if you wish. Like I want you to tell her story. She's, she's amazing. Um, her knowledge of basketball, her work ethic. I, I want to hear about her job. I mean, there's so much to talk about. Um, if you don't mind sharing some stories. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. Haley was our firstborn and, um, you know, John, we joke because I'm a, I'm a very good athlete. I had a chance to be a D one volleyball player. John was, um, all American D two. And so we just assumed that we would have these amazing athletes of children. And Haley came along. She was our first and she was awful. She was terrible. She, she 
was she didn't even know how to run and it was terrible but and it was such a disappointment but she had what she did have was an incredible mind she was very smart and an incredible mind not only about basketball but all sports and we used to joke that you know Haley could recruit for Kentucky she was a lot like John and and she was very good at assessing talent quickly and and just I don't know she just she just had it for some reason so she went to she went to the University of Kentucky and, and graduated from the business school and went on to work at our thoroughbred park here in marketing, um, Keeneland, and ended up really loving um, the racing industry and everything. Hmm. And along and the short of it is, she ended up leaving Lexington for a boy she met, um, went to Houston and landed her dream job at a company called Professional Sports Partners in Houston. Um, they have the Astros, they have uh, Simone Biles, they have um, Altuve. I mean, it, it's a, it's a uh, sports marketing firm that is global. And she landed that job. It was her dream job. They were amazing to her. She and her fiance got engaged. Um, she was his first girlfriend. He was the first person that she ever dated that made her a nice person. She relaxed. She wasn't type A. She wasn't trying to outdo somebody. She wasn't looking for faults. It was just a lovely, lovely relationship. They incidentally were born on the same day, same year and just kind of found each other. And she was living her best life in Houston and loved her job, living her best life, great friends. They moved to El Paso for his job and they are probably only there, Nicole, would you say two or three months? Yeah. And she started experiencing stomach pains that got worse and worse. And Haley was always a very, I don't know, Andrea, I don't know if you looked up and, and saw pictures of her and stuff and you would know that she's very thin. She's yeah. always been thin. At one point I used to look like that. I was that thin. So it was not a concern so much when you would, for me, it was not a concern. I kept saying to her, you need, you need to, she was a vegetarian and like, you need to add meat back in, but yeah. the weight was not a concern, but she started having stomach pains. That was um, early September. And remember they were in El Paso. So not the hotbed of, of medical, um, you know, hospitals and, and whatnot, but went in and that was early September by April, we had lost her to advanced liver cancer. And it was a liver cancer that's called HCC. And it's the type of cancer that they kept telling us when they saw the, the mass. It's not, it's not malignant. There's no way it's malignant. 27 year olds don't get liver cancer, but we do need to take it out and, and this and that. So we never ever thought. And, and this HCC cancer is a type that 70 year old people get. It's if you've had hepatitis, it's if you're alcoholic, it's it, that kind of thing. So it was just unfathomable. It ended up being that. She was the 0.001% um, of people, of, of adolescents, young adults that get this. Um, and, you know, in between October and February, 
we moved mountains for her. Um, initially, we brought her back to Kentucky after she had had a resection in El Paso and we were looking at transplant. And from our, from our connections um, through basketball, mostly, um, we were able to get her into the best hospital in the country for, for liver transplant. Um, her sister was a match. So we were looking forward to a transplant and she had one last scan to clear her and they found it in her lungs. Mm. So transplant was off the table, which was devastating. But incidentally, that's, you know, that's where my love affair with Kentucky fan base came in when, you know, back when we thought transplant was an option, um, we appealed to, we put it on social media because she was going to need a donor. Um, obviously her sisters would be the first ones tested. No question. John and I were too old with liver. You, the age is, is particularly important. So anybody over 50 was too old. So, but we appealed to the public and I remember getting a phone call from the transplant coordinator at UPMC. And she said, we need you to, to take it down. We need you to take it off social media because in my 35 years of being a transplant coordinator here, we have never had so many people sign up to be a donor. They had over thousand people within a week and a half. Wow. Sign up to be a donor for her. And it was, of course, it was family, it was friends, but it was so many strangers, um, Kentucky fans, uh, people we don't know, Eastern Kentucky fans. I mean, it was unbelievable. And, you know, there, was, there were those couple people that were like, you know, why, why are they asking for people to give their liver if they're not going to? It, you know, things get misunderstood. Yeah, yeah. But in the end, um, her sister was a, a match and we didn't get to it in time, you know, and that's the thing about liver cancer. If you do get it, it's a lot, it's, a, it's like a lot of cancers. It's, it's before you realize you have it, it's, and it's too far gone. And that's how Haley was. And she ended up passing away like six months, eight months after the day of diagnosis. And it was, uh, I mean, I don't even think you're both mothers. I don't even think I have to tell you what it was like, but I think what I wanted to make clear on this podcast is the support that we got through basketball was um, humbling, very, very, very humbling. And I think that you know, John has tried to live his life and certainly we have tried to live our life and teach our children that above all else, being a good person and being respectful and, and um, it paid off for us because people really, really went out yeah. and showed up when we needed them. Strangers from all over the country, all over the world. It was amazing. It really was amazing. I mean... Oh, yeah. Um, when I asked you to be on the podcast, you said, I'll only do it if you don't cry. And I said, I will not cry. I will not cry. <laughs> um, I mean, how brave um, 
Haley. I mean, I just, I love, you know, she's, again, this is so, um, I'm so part, much a part of this story. I lived it with you while it was going on, but thank you, Heidi. So brave of you to want to talk about this. And we want to, the point is um, this world. And I know Andrea has been personally affected by cancer with her dad, correct? Am I saying that right, Andrea? Um, we're all touched by this in some way. And amazing that we do have this support system within our profession. And it's just, it doesn't it just feel different, the support you get when you're in this kind of profession? I, I don't know. Am I, you know, I just feel like refs rally, coaches rally. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it came from, it came from places, the most unexpected places. You know, I, I will tell you, there were some disappointments. Um, there were some people we were disappointed in that we, that we believed in that didn't show up for us. But then on the flip side, the, I mean, from referees, um, Dick Vitale, Reese Davis, Jay Billis, I mean, coaches, you know, John was getting inundated with text messages when the news that need, that Haley needed a, a liver transplant. And then of course, when the news broke that she died, he did not go back to work for a while. And when he finally did, he said he started every game crying because the refs, countless, every single one of them would come up and spend 10 minutes with him before the game and just sit with him on the bench or, you know, tell their story or just say, we've been praying for you or it, it, again, humbling. Um, I hate to say a blessing because none of this was a blessing, but times like these really define you and it really gives you pause as to who you can value and who you can lean on and what's important. And at the end of the day, um, in a really shockingly brutal way, we realized that people we didn't even know in this profession were really there for us yeah. the whole time. And people who weren't, well, you know what? It's, it's just a job. It's just a profession, That's you know? Right. That's it. Yeah. you know times like these do define you and I never thought I would be one of those people it's always cliche to me and yeah. we just lived that out and it's but we really did the, the entire Kentucky fan base that went and got tested or reached out to us or sent us things letters that from people we don't even know um the presidents of our university both past and present were so good to John, um, the sportscasters, the reps, other coaches. It was, it was pretty amazing. It was pretty. And two years later, almost two years later, we still have not reached out and properly acknowledged the thousands of people that rallied for her. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. It's like, it's, it, you know, you're just like speechless that anybody would have to go through this, you know, you know yes it yeah it's been it, it it yeah it's been it's been rough I wouldn't wish it on anybody but you know what and like I said it's taken us a while but it does give you 
perspective. And I've said to Nicole, um, you know, we're at the age where we're ending sort of our, when I say we, John and I, our coaching career. But I look at like you, Andrea, and, and of course, Nicole, and it's, it's easy for me to say, keep it in perspective and understand it's just a job and understand that there, there are more things in life, Yeah, but there really are. And I always sort of knew that it was always my, it was always my goal to separate my children and our life from basketball. Um, But when, when something like this happens and even, you know, even a death of a parent, it doesn't have to be a child boy. It it really puts things in perspective. And I do remember saying, I wish that at a younger age. I, I had realized that. And I look at like at the two of you and just, I know, you know, it's like we said at the beginning of the show, Andrea, every win, you're, you're hanging on every win. You're hanging on every loss. People don't understand. Yes, it's a game to them, but to us, it's our livelihood. And it's, it's all, you know, it's what, how others define us. It's how our children define their parents and themselves. But if I could, have anything come from this, it would be for, for you, Nicole, and for, and for, you know, people to understand that it is not the end all and be all. No, it is not. No, it absolutely is not. And I think that is the, you know, definitely the, the theme of this podcast, the inspiration. I, you know, we're repeating ourselves over and over again, but this is exactly why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, there, first of all, I want to honor Haley. She meant a lot to me. Her life needs to be celebrated and honored. And she meant a lot to college basketball. I mean, she could have, like you said, she could have been a coach, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I relied on her to tell me what the fuck was going on here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, like we're living these real lives and, and not to take away from our blessings within the profession. And you always taught that to me too. I remember the first time we went to Hawaii on the, the team plane, um, you know, we went charter. I didn't even know what a charter was. What's a charter? Oh my God. A charter is when we take our own plane. This is so cool. They give us food. Oh my God. You know, like, um, and I remember you saying, Nicole, this is a privilege sister. Like, this is not like, not everybody gets to do this. So you be grateful. And, and I was, I, you know, and you're like, you thank the coaches and, you know, I, I do think some of the younger coaches in this profession might think that's like, you know, they're entitled to those type of things. And you, you didn't, you didn't raise me that way in college. Basketball. <laughs> this, these are earned privileges that you get. And there, there is kind of like a hierarchy, like you put in your time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. I felt like we always put in our time. I mean, we, we weren't good immediately, you know, I no. mean, we put in our time and, and yeah kind of thankful for the good times while they last you and I talked about that for years you know you've got to celebrate the good times while they last because they will switch up on you so fast right right and it's you know you got to store it up yeah because you never know and they're coming like they're your good times are coming and your 
you know, not so good times. You're, they're coming like you're, it's it's inevitable, you know, but like to have a program, like to, like having to be part of a program. Um, there was another article that I read about somebody else might be coming on, um, about calling, um, a program, your family. And there's sometimes when you, um, don't, you don't feel like they're your family, you know, because you just, you know, they, they could be ruthless and, you know, you're like, how could be part of this family? You know, it's just like fans and the, the, everything like, you know, the school, whatever it may be, if you do, if they're fair, everything's fair weathered in this job. And it's like, but 100%. And then on top of it, you get resentful because when God forbid something like that happened, it's like, it's so hard for them to break away. I mean, most of us can't have kids, like can't even birth children um, without having Ajita, like whether, you know, I, we have two right. on staff right now that are literally like this one poor girl is, you know, saying, you know, well, can you please stay home from the end of the West Virginia game, just in case I have to go in and, you know, mm-hmm. cause he can't be, and I'm just saying to myself, like, you can't even have a kid nowadays because it's like this job is so grueling that they, you have to be there, let alone to have God forbid, like an illness that you feel so torn. Like, what do you, where do you, how do you leave? How do you keep your mind in both places? And you know what it's most important is your own family. And now this is just a job. Like when you remove yourself, you fly above it. You're, it's just a job. And you know what? Like, and look, Sorry. it's a great job at times. Wonderful. Amazing. It's, it's a lot. We've had a lot of fun times, but I, I've always said to people who don't know anything about this profession, it does not ever come without a price. No, you are going to pay a price. Yeah. Whether it's your children, whether it's your marriage, whether it's, uh, yes. you know, your husband's sanity, um, your husband's worth, um, yeah there are prices to be paid for this. So, mm-hmm. and, and that's kind of, you know, coming full circle. So when you have a crisis, yes, you know, I agree, Andrea, and I don't, I don't want to be the downer here, but yeah, these, these programs talk about family and this and that. That's not true because at the end of the day, it, it really, you don't have to be family to be good to each other, to exactly. be loyal, to be respectful. But at the end of the day, uh, it didn't feel like family to me, yeah. given what we went through. Right. So I just think that keeping it in perspective is difficult um, at best because everything hinges on it, but it's just a job. It's just a job. Yeah. It's, it's just basketball. It's just basketball. Really? It really is. And I used to hate when people said that because I was like, no, it's not just that to us. Right. You know, yeah. Uh, it, it's not, it's a paycheck. It's, it's, you know, how you're going to put your kids through school. It's, you know, all these things. Mm-hmm. It's a lifestyle. Again, I mean, it, it, we, we, we embarked on a lifestyle that all three of us can 100% relate to, but somebody that's not in this profession cannot relate to the lifestyle mm-hmm. that we live. No. You know, um, like last night we played UConn, who's amazing. And like, it was a buy game. It was a, it was an expected result, you know, but I had a few friends, is Derek okay? I'm like, I hate that. I know. And I'm like, 
he's okay. Yes, of course he wanted to win the game, but we know. <laughs> right. uh, I'm not saying he didn't want to win the game, you know, like, so right. it's like navigating those kinds of questions. We've all Can done we just it. go over that really quickly too. It's like, just, this is the perfect podcast to do it on. It's like, please don't call us after a loss and ask if there's it's we're okay where our yeah. husbands are where they're at because they have yeah, no they might be there you know exactly how they feel they're they're pissed they you know they're they're fine like don't ask yeah. us how our husband it's it, it it was it's not that serious don't ask me how he is after ask me how he is after a doctor's appointment and everything else please right. don't call and say how's danny like don't do it. Like I, you right. know how he is. It's so ignorant to me. And it, I see red when I have to answer questions. Cause it's like, really? Like, I want to say like, really? Like, is that a question you ask after a loss? Like, well, don't you find Andrea and Nicole? I know you do because you and I talked about this after you guys left UMass, you find yourself trying to comfort fans, other people whose yes. livelihood yes. depends oh on my God. win or Derek's win, oh or my Kentucky's God. Yeah. win. They're they're so broken up that you find yourself trying to comfort them. When yes. it's like even even Danny and Derek and John probably like Derek has said that before. Like I got sometimes I got to go in and I get it. And this isn't at LIU, but maybe at UMAT. Like he's got to lift his staff up the next yeah. day after less. He's like, well, but Nicole, you were saying. Like your, your friends from college would, you know, they're in mourning too, because UMass didn't win. It's like, that was a lot of pressure. Yeah, that was, if I could give any advice to any um, wife or spouse that listens to this podcast, and we hope there's thousands, um, don't go back to your alma mater. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you do, don't go back. It was the best of the best and the worst of the worst. Mm-hmm. There, yeah. There's no in between. You can't right. please everybody. And all you want to do is please everybody. Right. Every friend, friend Derek and I have is from UMass. His family live, you know, the whole story, both of you. It was a lot of, well, pressure. you know, something like that's only going to go one of two ways. Right. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, you can never go home. You, you no. Know. Because and then when not- we got fired, it was the funny joke. I, everyone's like, so where are you guys going to go? And we're like, what do you mean? They're like, all right, are you going to go home? We're like, we are home. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're right. already home. <laughs> right. This is where Which we makes live. it even harder. Yeah, exactly. Derek's like, are we supposed to move to Florida now? Like, I don't know. What yeah, where do we go? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But we can laugh about it now because, you know. Every coach goes through it at some point in their career. Yes. Oh gosh, yes, absolutely. Right. Yes, ma'am. So, um, any more fun stuff we should talk about? You told Andrew, me something today that I. I'm sorry. Ask no, Andrew. you got. You told me something today that I never knew about John that he played for Bob Huggins. Yes. I that was yes. like really interesting. Uh, he played for Bob Huggins at Walsh College. Um, that was Bob Huggins' first job. So played for, for Bob Huggins for two years at Walsh College and then transferred to Denison. Um, and again, Bob Huggins, another one that was amazing to John when he needed him to be. 
both professionally and, you know, personally. Um, That's great. Connections, you know, uh, one of John's dearest friends is Greg Popovich at the San Antonio Spurs. Again, amazing. Exactly when John needed to hear from him, he heard from him. It's, yeah, he's got, John has got, he's had a, a good career. He's got a lot of connections and, and again, did it the right way, I believe was a good person, was loyal, was honest. And when we needed it to pay off for us, it did. Yeah. So I think that's an important lesson that, um, you know, you treat your people well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've had a lot of neat stops, a lot of, a lot of, he's had a great career and, and we've had a lot of fun with it. Awesome. You yeah. wanted to ask Andrea something? I'm sorry, I cut you off. Um, I'm just, I'm Andrea. I'm just curious, given that you married into such a, you know, a historic basketball family. What is, what are the d- dynamics like that? Is it, it, are you on 24/7, or do you have a whole section of the family that doesn't really get into basketball, so they're like chill over it, or is it just all um, the time? No, like I, I, I mean, I think it's worked for us. We're going on 25 years or we married 25 years in August is the fact that I am not a sports fan. Like, and mm-hmm. I'm proud to not be it. Um, because if I was <laughs> like, I think that it are, I don't think we would have lasted because it's just like, you know, we can't, both two of us can't, can't do it, you know? So <laughs> right. I that, um, and as far as my, my, I think my father-in-law might get a little, um, irritated by me, not knowing what's going on. I don't, you know, uh, but I think he, after 25 years, he, he understands, he gets it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but my family, like my, you know, I have a brother and we have a very small family. I have a brother. Um, he has a wife and two kids and I have my mom, like that's it on my side, you know, that, so, they come, my brother's into it. My, you know, my brother's family, my mom is into it. Um, but she still doesn't get it. Like after my brother calls me, like she still doesn't get, you know, she'll ask questions. She has no idea what the conference tournament. Like it's, it's great. You know, it's so nice right. to have that pressure of, you know, them always, you know, just, you know, just down breathing down my throat and my in-laws are great. Like they, they, you know, they come to the games and they know, like my, they asked me today about a recruit. I, I didn't mean to jump down their throat, but I said, stop asking me questions. You know, I don't have answers to like me the name is we see a guard. I said, I don't even know who's a guard on our team, let alone who's a guard who's right. not even here yet. Right. So as far as that, like, I think everybody is, you know, they took me in as, you know, almost like she, <laughs> you know, you know, and I, and I right. keep it like that and it, it works for us. Um, but other than that, like, no, it's just the support, you know, Danny has a sister, like they're always, you know, with her family is always, you know, rooting for us and it's just great to have family support but it's not overloaded it's not like overbearing right. and you know they they know you know they've been in it so long they know when to yeah you know. yeah yeah yes and that's true that might be the difference too they've been in it for so long at different right. levels exactly. I I for me I just I remember in all the places that we've been I would meet people and instantly like this woman or, or whoever and and they invariably would be like I'm sorry. I don't follow basketball. I don't know basketball. And I was always like, 
That's why I like yeah. it so much. That's why we click. Yeah. It's because you yeah. have no idea. Nor yeah. do you care. Yes. Right? And you need a little bit of that in your life. That's, um, I feel like that needs to be a topic. I want to have like the non-basketball friend, Andrea. Yes. I think we should do that. That's a great one friend that is completely clueless. And they're like, one that calls me during the game. When they're not coaching. The woman that calls you during the game. Like 10 times. And they're like, where are you? Pick up. And I'm like, like, I'm like, I'm at the gate. Like the friend that invites your family on vacation in January. (laughs) No, we don't, we can't do we that. We don't do that. Maybe in like May, we can go. <laughs> right. Yes. Right, right. Well, my, my brother had the nerve to get married years back on December 20th. And I'm like, do you not love me? Like, do you, like, <laughs> really? Well, let's talk about how the, the non-basketball friend becomes the crazed lunatic fan friend because she becomes friends with you and you bring her to one game or he to a game and then all of a I don't sudden, have any of those hook line and sinker that's yeah. happening too yeah no mm-hmm. yeah no. I've had well but see and, that, and I didn't friends. do much of that because I get when I was into it I am I am one of those people that just sit in silence and I I don't really root well that's not true I guess I don't know I just no you weren't a, a yeller or cheer or anything like that no you were always no. very nervous like very yes nervous. but you, you in nervous in a very quiet way don't talk to me don't look at me don't don't ask me a question yeah okay. that's me it's a yes okay yeah well I actually have friends from that were you know, like I, I said last podcast, when you have, when you move to a place and I'm sure like it's so different because like I'm here in Connecticut and it's like Rhode Island is my place. It's like, that's where I have so many more friends just because my kids were young when we moved there. Mm-hmm. I had sports friends, school friends, URI friends. It's like, it was, we have a whole bunch of people and, you know, here, my kids were so old. So when I got here, yes. like looking around and um, the, my, the girl who does my nails came to my game the other day. And my father-in-law said, is this a Seinfeld episode? I'm like, I don't have that many friends here. I have to keep, thank God Rhode Island is so close. And my Rhode Island friends are coming here, you know? So that um, is funny. I love it. So, you know, you know, Andrea, you're right. And that is an interesting dynamic is those late moves, those late jobs. When your kids are, are older. We came to Kentucky and, and my kids were in high school and college at that point. And it was so much harder on me. Yes. Because how yeah, do you I meet had a hard time making friends? Yeah. yeah. That's why we started we, this podcast. We're like, we need, you know, we, we need this. Right. <laughs> it, it is. It's so true. It's, it's different in the late, in the later years with the kids. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. I well, could be a farmer if I wanted to, I'm in the middle of like cow country. I could, I could actually volunteer at a farm, do something <laughs> like that in my spare time. It's so funny you say that because John and I were watching the game, and I was like, "Oh, are they playing in stores?" And he's he said yes, and he said that's rural. Uh, They're out there. Let me. He, he likened it to Amherst. But look all, at your look it, at your milk carton. Your milk carton says like I guarantee your milk came from from like somewhere in Connecticut. I promise oh, you. That, I mean that's charming. Have you been to 
Yukon yet uh, recently, Heidi, though? It's a really, uh, I mean, it no. was dark when we arrived yesterday, but it was, it's a really nice campus. I've never actually been to stores because, you know, Nicole, if you remember when we were playing Yukon, they both were, you know, at a pinnacle. And so it was always at a neutral site in Hartford. Yeah. Well, I actually have never I've even seen stores, Connecticut. Hmm. Well, if there's any UConn fans listening, you guys were very nice to me. You let me park <laughs> you. in a nice, convenient parking spot. Thank you, Andrea. Everybody treated us very. I well. got stopped though. Wait, but then I got I I was late because my baby was sleeping, <laughs> and I pulled in. They're like, "Sorry, can't park here." I was like, <laughs> "So I was so pissed." I'm like, "So no." And then I went in, and then Nicole's like, "Oh, you're parking guy. <laughs> Let me." I was like, "Oh, you, I took, you took her here. spot." I did. I was like, "I parked her spot." Oh my God. Listen, at UMass, I used to, I would pull up to park in the back and they'd be like, who are you? I'm like, I'm Coach Kellogg's wife. They're like, then they check the list. They're like, nope. (laughs) Sorry. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I used to do the same thing with, you know, 12 feet of snow with three kids dangling from my armpits, you know, screaming and crying. Yeah. Yeah. That's a mess. That's a mess. Wow. Oh gosh. Well, Heidi, we've been on for an hour. We could talk forever. Thank you so much for being on Absolutely. Bold's Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I, I would, appreciate um, it. you know, I think Andrea and I would love to follow up and, you know, continue to help share Haley's story and celebrate her life. And maybe we could collaborate and do something, um, for the Liver Foundation or, you know, something of your choice. We can try to do a fundraiser or whatever. Oh, that would be absolutely lovely. It would mean a lot to us. Thank you. Thank you. I love you so much. I love you too. This was so fun. Thank you you for having me on. Andrea, good to meet you finally. Good to meet you.